At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Thanks for tuning into our series, The Follower's Trail Guide, Navigating the Path of Jesus, where we're asking the question, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? As we walk through Jesus' farewell discourse to His followers in the book of John, we'll learn to follow in the steps of Christ as He marks out the way of discipleship for us. All right, this morning, if you have your Bible or electronic device, I want to encourage you to take out your Bible and turn with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 today. We've been in John for the past several weeks, and we've got a few more weeks to be in the book of John as we're walking through uh, this series. I wanted just to continue to encourage you to, on your own time, continue to read through John and see uh, just the perspective that God has given John, as he takes a look at all the things that the Lord has done and all the ways that he's revealed himself. All right, John chapter 15. We're going to begin this morning in verse 18, so go ahead and get there. And while you turn there, several years ago, um, I had the opportunity to take on a new challenge. I decided that I was going to begin training for a marathon. And I'd been a runner my whole life, and so I was like, well, let's, let's bump it up. Uh, to that point, I'd done a 10K a couple times, several times, and run some 5Ks. And I was like, I think I'm ready to bump up to the marathon. And so I began training. And as I began uh, talking to others that had run marathons before, they began to tell me this crazy phenomenon. And I, at first I was like, you guys are crazy. They would tell me that somewhere, you better be prepared, because somewhere while you're running the marathon, you're going to get to a place, probably mile 16, somewhere between mile 16 and mile 20, and you're going to hit a wall. You're going to get to a place where you're going to get to a place where you're going to be full of excruciating pain and you're going to need to decide whether you're going to phone it in or you're going to press on. And I can remember thinking to myself, being a runner and having so much experience, I'm like, you guys are crazy. There's no way I'm ever going to hit a wall. What? I'm a runner. Like runners run. Like we just, it, everything, it, everything hurts, right? Every time you run, it all hurts. And so you just got to push through the pain. What are you talking about? So I started out my training and would go out on a 10 mile run. I'm like, there's no wall there. 11 mile run. Oh, no wall there. Got to 12 mile, 13 mile. I even did my first 16 mile run day and I was like, 16 miles. This is easy. Then the next weekend I did 18. And then the next weekend I did 20. And I'm like, oh, pff, this is no big deal. I mean, it hurts a little bit, but it's no big deal. And so I thought everyone was crazy. I'm like, there, there's no such thing. And so the day of my first marathon comes, and I'm pumped. We get out there, the gun goes off, and I'm feeling awesome. Go through mile one. It seemed like it took me 30 seconds. It took me a lot longer than that, but it felt like 30 seconds. Go to mile two, mile three, mile four, mile five, mile six. Everything's clicking. Everything's feeling good. I get mile seven, eight, nine, ten. I get to halfway point through the marathon, and I'm like, man, this is amazing. This is easy. I'm taking my hydration. I'm taking my fuel that I'm supposed to take. So I'm eating and drinking and doing all the things that I'm supposed to do. Get to mile 14. I'm like, things are awesome. Continue on. I get to mile 16. I take two steps past mile 16 and everything just went to pot. Like I started feeling pains all over my body. Pain that wasn't there three steps ago. Now I enter into this time of excruciating pain. Everything hurts. My toes hurt. My ankles hurt. My knees hurt. My shins hurt. My hair even hurts. 
how is that possible? It's possible. Like everything hurt. Everything, the wheels started to fall off and my race that was going so perfect begins to unravel. And I'm like, I'm no longer running. I'm kind of like hobbling. I'm like, I don't know if I can make it. I've got 10 more miles to go. And I was in pain. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to finish this. And everything that I thought, all those, those people that told me that I would enter into this the wall, as they call it, I thought that they were crazy. And now I was in the midst of the wall. And I continued on running and hobbling and running and crawling and hobbling. And to, prior to that, I'd never walked in a race before. I'd always run. This like the badge of honor to be able to say, I'd never walked in a race. Well, guess what? I lost that badge that day. I had to walk and I would walk to the water station and go to, I'm finally, after an hour, it felt like I go to mile 17. I got nine miles to go and the people were there like, you can do this, you can do this. Remember your training, remember your training. And in my mind, I was like, oh yeah, I've done this before. My body has done this before. Maybe I haven't gone the full 26, but I can do this. And so I continued on. I I took a moment and I thought to myself, okay, we can do this. I took some drink and I took another gel and I started on and I wasn't speeding but I kept getting one foot in front of the other and I finished. And when I crossed the finish line, I was like, I'm never ever doing that again. (laughs) Whoever wants to do these things, you must be crazy and insane because these are terrible. Put your body through that amount of pain. I was like, forget it. Sarah comes up to me, she's like, I'm so proud of you. I'm like, never let me do one of these again. So I'm hobbling to the car, like everything hurts. And we sit down in the car, we make it halfway home. And I'm like, I think I can do another. It's the craziness of runners. So it is, it is an amazing thing. And, and I share that story with you because it's always good to know what to expect that's coming down the road. Right? Sometimes we, we don't want to believe it, but if you listen to people that have walked the path that we're walking and they've experienced things in the future or in their own walk and they share with you, let me encourage you, listen to their wisdom. So children... Your parents have walked the path that you're walking right now and they have wisdom, they have experience, they've messed up big time and they wanna encourage you and share with you about their mistakes so that you don't make the same mistake. And, and some of you kids, you're like, I'm just not gonna listen. You're gonna go in the same path that your parents made and you're gonna fall down the same way they did and know that there's grace and there's mercy and there's love. But today, as we look at the passage, we see that Jesus is doing something similar in our own lives. As followers of Christ, and as he's sharing with his disciples, he's getting ready to go to the cross. He knows the time for his crucifixion and the time of his humiliation and the time of him bearing the sin of the world, that's coming. And he knows his resurrection's coming too, but he knows what's coming down the road for him, but he also knows what's coming down the road for his disciples. And so he wants to prepare them and he wants to prepare us for the road that is ahead. And that's exactly what we see Jesus doing here. He's helping his disciples and helping us as followers of Jesus to be prepared for mile 16. And he's saying, this is what's coming and this is how you prepare for it. And last week or two weeks ago, we talked about the fact that as a follower of Christ, our responsibility, our opportunity is to abide in Jesus, where we live our lives squarely focused on him, where we give him our attention, we give him our affection. And as we're focused on abiding in him, making our home with him, what's going to happen is it's going to produce fruit. So our abiding produces fruit. The Bible tells us, too, if we abide in him, we will produce much fruit. And last week, we looked at one of the fruit that is produced from our abiding, and that fruit was love. 
Today, we're going to see a second fruit that is produced when we abide in Jesus. And that is that the world will hate you. You will be hated. If you abide in Jesus, if you give him your attention, you give him your affection, the world's going to hate you. And, you know, it may be shocking for us, maybe shocking for you to even hear that today. For the truth is, if a believer is fully abiding, the more they will be hated by the world. And, you know, you may be here and you're like, hey, that's not what I signed up for. Right. I didn't sign up to be a follower of Jesus and and have be hated by the world. Well, I want us to remember, sometimes we, we come to Christ and when we place faith in Christ, there are lots of promises that Scripture gives us. Scripture gives us a lot of promises about the benefits and the blessings and the grace of being a follower of Jesus. Right? I'll just give you some of these blessings that we find in Matthew and in Ephesians. Jesus promises that everyone that turns to him in faith will have an easy yoke, that will have a light burden, that will have an abundant life, that we'll be adopted into the family of God, that there'll be forgiveness of sins, there's riches of his grace, we have an internal inheritance, we have a resurrection, we have immortality, we have eternal life, we will have peace, we will have joy, and we will have love. These are all the beautiful promises that are ours when we place faith in Jesus. And, and for us to understand that that's what we, the blessings that we receive from following Jesus, some of us want to just camp there, but Jesus never stays there. Jesus says, yes, all of these things are true, but Jesus is not some crazy salesperson that's trying to sign you up for this without giving you the cost. Because there is a cost of being a follower of Jesus. Jesus was very, very clear throughout his ministry. He says this over and over and over. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. Yes, you have an abundance of grace. Yes, you have an abundance of mercy. Yes, the the yoke is easy and the burden is life and all of those things are true. But in this world, you will have trouble. But then he goes on to say, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. See, the Christian life is not all about rainbows and butterflies. The Christian life is a journey. It's a path of personal surrender to follow Jesus. I love what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. He says, if anyone would come after me, that means if anyone desires to be a disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. See, the call of following Jesus is a call to come and die, where we die to our preferences, where we die to our own desires, we die to our own future, we die to all of that and say, Jesus, it's all yours. I give all of myself fully to you to do with me as you please because I know that you've forgiven me of my sin. So today, as we look at this passage, as we continue our series, I want us to see this big idea is that knowing our opposition and our support helps disciples stay on the way. So Jesus knows that on the path towards him, there's going to be trouble, there's going to be heartache, there's going to be difficult times, and he wants us to know the opposition, that it's out there, but then he also wants us to know that there's support to help us on the way so that we may continue on the path that he has laid out for us. And so today, as we look at this passage, we're gonna see two truths. First, we're gonna understand the opposition that's out there, and then we're gonna see the power that God has given us to make it through. So let's dive into our text. Let's look with me in verse 18 of chapter 15 of John. Jesus says, 
If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would have loved you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they, have, if they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without excuse. Here Jesus is very, very clear of what is to come. The dangers that are down the path. And we see this truth that the haters persecute Jesus. They will persecute you. What I love about um, this passage is I'm thankful that Jesus doesn't start out at chapter, or verse 18. right? I'm thankful he doesn't gather all of his disciples in the upper room. And the first things are, he's like, guys, I got bad news. The world's going to hate you. He doesn't start there. I'm thankful. I'm so thankful he doesn't start there because then before that, he tells us all about the amazing things and the promises that we have in him so that we know that difficulties are going to come, but we also are not alone. Remember, Jesus says, I'm going away for a little while, but I'm going to prepare a place for you so that you and you may be with me and we may be with the Father. So he's talking about our end being secure. Our end in Christ is secure, right? We don't have to worry about how we get there. We just get to know that we're going to be there. And I love also last week how Jesus refers to us as friends. He talks to his disciples, he says, no longer are you slaves, but you are friends. And this is super important, especially in this passage as we look at it, because last week we learned that slaves only know the what of what they're supposed to do. Right? They don't know the why behind it. The slave just comes to the master, and the master says, do this, do this, and do this. And the slave doesn't have the opportunity to say, well, why? Why do you want me to do that? But the friend can the friend has the opportunity to not only what, but he knows the why. And so Jesus, because of that friendship, is now coming to his disciples and coming to us too to give us not only the what, but the why. The what is, you're going to face difficulties. The world is going to hate you. But you don't have to worry about it. The why is because they're not, they're not hating you, they're hating me. They're hating you because of me. They're hating you because of the message that I bring. And the message of Jesus is super important. The message of Jesus is a message to the world that says, you are not okay. You're not okay. You are a dirty, rotten sinner in need of salvation. That's the message of Jesus. That you are not okay, that you are not, on, you are not of the Lord, that you, though you are in the world, you hate the Lord. And what's crazy about this is according to what Jesus says here, Christians are to be known by their love and the world is to be known by its hatred. You see, in, in the world, in creation, there are two kingdoms in conflict. There's the kingdom of the world and then there's the kingdom of God, which Jesus talks about. And Jesus says uh, he came to establish the kingdom of God. And there's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world. And if we look to Ephesians chapter 2, we see insight into this kingdom of the world. Who's in charge of the kingdom of the world? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says this. 
It says, and you are dead in your trespasses and sins. And whence you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So we see there that Paul, as he's writing uh, Ephesians, he talks about Satan. And he talks about Satan as the ruler of the power of the air. That he's the one that's at work in the works of the sons of disobedience. So there's this darkness, there's this dark kingdom that is being ruled right now by Satan. And when we're born, we're born into the kingdom of this world. We're born into being a slave to sin under the rule of Satan. But then there's this kingdom of heaven. This kingdom of heaven that is established through the work of Jesus. That what happens because of Jesus, that people that are born in darkness can escape darkness and become children of light or be a part of the kingdom of light. By what Jesus has done through faith in Christ, we can receive uh, eternal life, but also this escape from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So how are we to respond to God and to Christ? Well, the world, we see this in John chapter 3, verse 19. It says, and this is the judgment, that light has come into the world, but people love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. So we have the kingdom of darkness. We have the kingdom of light. Jesus comes into the darkness to bring light to our sin. And this is the message where Jesus comes and he says, you're not okay. You are born into sin. You have been created to worship God, but you violate that every single step of the day because you don't want God to be in control of your life. Each one of us shake our fist at God and say, you're not the boss of me. I don't want you to tell me what to do. I want to go my own way. I want to feel my own way and I want to do my own thing. And so the world pushes back against the light and rejects the light the world hates him the world says to Jesus and says to the truth of scripture how dare you oppress me how dare you tell me that I'm not okay and what happens is not only does hatred which begins in the heart a hatred towards someone it moves beyond hatred to persecution which persecution is seeking to silence that which speaks truth or that which brings light And so we see this coming to play in Jesus' life. Light comes into the world, right? Jesus comes into the world and speaks about the kingdom of God and talks about what the kingdom of God, what it looks like to surrender to our Heavenly Father and what it looks like to obey the Heavenly Father. And the world's like, wait a minute. No, that's, we reject that. We hate what you're saying and we hate you. And so what did they try to do? They sought to silence Jesus by crucifying him. Little did they know that Jesus had to go to the cross. Jesus had to die on the cross in order to pay for the sins of the world. And so what the world thinks that they're doing, they think that they're silencing Jesus. They're persecuting him. And in essence, what they're doing is they're carrying out the commands. They're carrying out the will of the Father through their own persecution. So they think that they're silencing him, but really what they're doing is they're giving an opportunity for the light to shine so bright. So what happens is it begins with hatred. The world will hate you. And when they hate you enough, it's gonna move to persecution where they're gonna seek to silence you. They're gonna seek to disassociate themselves with you, distance themselves from you in such a way that will keep you silent. For what the world did to Jesus, they will also do to those of us who are in the light. 
See, when Jesus came, he came to bring light to the world, and that light now has been passed to each one of us. We are all bearers of this light. And the world's gonna respond in two different ways. Imagine with me for a moment that it is a, it's the middle of February, and it's four o'clock in the morning, and the house that you're sleeping in is a little bit cool, and you hear the wind howling outside the door, the snow's coming, and all of that stuff. And instead of what you do, all you do is you get your sleeping bag, and you get your covers, and you're all bundled up really, really tight, and you're warm and cozy in your bed, safe from the elements, all the things that you've done for yourself to create an environment where you're self-sufficient. And you're, you're just warm and cozy. And then imagine... I come into that warm and cozy room and I flip on the light and I'm like, wake up. How are you going to respond to that? You're not going to be like, oh, thank you for waking me up in the middle of the night. No, you're going to respond in anger. You're like, what are you doing? Turn off the light. I'm fine. Leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you. How dare you step into my room and mess up my sleep? For me, <laughs> I'm a pretty violent sleeper, so don't mess me up when I'm sleeping. Don't dare come in and turn on the light when I'm sleeping, right? But that's how some people respond to the light. Some people respond to that light in an angry way. Like, how dare you turn on the light? I'm fine doing what I'm doing. But then there are also some that respond in a different way. So we go to another house. And in that house, they didn't have money to pay the, um, the gas bill. So there's no heat in the house. And on that same night where there's freezing, there's someone covered with little covers they can have, and they're freezing, and they're not able to sleep because they're so cold. They're so cold, and they're, so, they're, they're crying out saying, oh, would someone come and save me? Would someone come and bring light to me? Someone bring warmth to me? Oh, I just need someone. And then in an instant, you step into that room, and you turn on the light, and you say, come with me. I'll take you to a place that's warm. See, there's going to be a different response there, right? There are people right now walking in darkness. Our lives are littered with people that are walking with darkness. We have family members that are walking in darkness. You might have children walking in darkness. You have neighbors walking in darkness. You have coworkers that are walking in darkness. And as you walk in the darkness, as you are a bearer of the light, you're going to have a response from people in different ways. Some that are cozy in their own life, as you bring the gospel message of light, they're going to be pulsed by it. But then there are also people in your life right now that are just waiting for someone to show them the way. They're drowning and they feel the depression. They feel the shame. They're being overwhelmed by the pressures of this world and they're waiting for someone that has the light to be a bearer of the light in their lives. You see, we do not have the opportunity to determine how people respond, but we are responsible for being bearers of the light. People, some will hate you. Some people are gonna hate you. Some people are gonna persecute you, but that's not up to you, right? We are to be responsible for bearing the light, for sharing the message of Jesus, to sharing the message in whom we have believed. I love what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15. He says, for we, meaning believers, are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, we are fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. I love this imagery. Right? You, you, you know, there, there are sometimes you smell things that either are gonna bring you in or pull you away. Maybe, maybe you're like a, a person that likes cologne, 
right? And so you, you spray yourself with cologne all over the place from head to toe and you walk into a room and that people are either gonna be like, man, that smells good. Or people are like, dude, <laughs> what did you do? Right, so we are the aroma of Christ. So it's like when we come into Christ, we have Christ all over us. Christ is around us. Christ is in us. Christ is all, we have this aura about us of love and of Christ and all of that. And we walk into a room and guess what's gonna happen? Some people are gonna be repelled by that. Those that are walking from death to death, we're gonna be the smell of death. They're gonna, we're gonna be the reminder that not everything's okay. And they're like, just leave me alone. I wanna sleep here in my own slumber. Don't turn on the light. Don't do any of that stuff. Just leave me alone. But then there'll be others who'll be like, man, what is that smell? Where did you get the smell? How can I get the smell? And they'll be drawn to us and we'll be able to say, it's, it is the aroma of Christ. You see, we don't get a chance again to, to choose how people respond, but we have the responsibility to communicate. Yes, this world is hard, but we have to live for Christ. We cannot not take the message of Jesus and the light that he's given us and shrink back into the darkness. Instead, we, like, like being lights that we are, are to allow our lights to shine before men. Right? Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You don't, you don't take your light and hide it in a lamp. No, instead what you do is you take your light and allow the, the world to see your light so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Right? There's a reason that we live with our light. And we live in a world where we will receive persecution and hatred. We see things like, I'll give you a list of some of the things we see in the world around us today. A teacher that gets suspended for giving a student a Bible. A football coach who is put on leave for leading a prayer on the field after the game. We see a fireman who gets fired for self-publishing a book defending Christian morality. A Marine gets court-martialed for having a Bible verse on the wall above their desk. We endure being called haters of women because we hold the view that life should not be destroyed in the womb. We're being told that we have all kinds of phobias or mental illness because we believe in the biblical definition of marriage. Colleges and universities are losing their accreditation because they refuse to embrace secular ideologies. Christian groups like InterVarsity are being kicked off campuses. There are attacks on crisis pregnancy centers and Catholic hospitals and adoption agencies because the world wants to silence the light. What's so crazy is we live in a world now that things that we celebrate are now condemned and the things that we condemn are now celebrated. We live in a difficult time. Darkness is closing in. And yes, we still have the beautiful blessing of being a part of this nation where we do have freedoms. We don't have people standing outside of our door with guns and everything saying you can't go in there. But there may come a time there may come a time because darkness is coming and we are to be bearers of the light. We are to stand firm knowing what we believe and knowing in whom we believe and in whom we trust and not being ashamed. I love how Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power unto salvation to the Jew first and then to the Greek. It is not something we're supposed to be ashamed of. We are to be bearers of this light. So how do we do it? How do we do this? Well, I love what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and following. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you 
so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the, his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends his rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? So Jesus gives us this command. He says, whatever you have heard, whatever you thought that you're supposed to just love your brothers, like it's a bigger thing than that. There's a bigger thing at stake here. Not only love your brothers, but also love your enemies and pray for those who persecute. Pray for those that seek to silence you, to shut you up. Because they're in the kingdom of darkness. They're slaves in the kingdom of the darkness and they're only acting what they know. And so our job in life as we look to look at those that hate us is to understand that those that hate us, they are not the enemy. Those that hate us are the mission field. You follow me? The enemy is not the person living in darkness. The person living in darkness is the mission field. That's where we're called to go. And that's where we're called to share the light. So how do we do this? I want to give you a few things to do. And if you're taking notes, write these down. First, pray. Just as we see Jesus say, pray for your enemies. Pray for them. Not that the Lord would bring his justice in their life. Don't, don't pray for that. Instead, when we know that we're hurt by other people, pray for them that God would rescue them from the domain of darkness and put them in, in the um, domain of light. Pray for them. Love them. Love your enemy. What does that look like? That looks like putting yourself out there over and over and over again, seeking to come alongside where they have need and help them. And guess what? It's gonna repel them. You're like, I'm loving you, and they're going to reject your love, and then you love them again, and it's going to get rejected, and it's going to get rejected. But then, as the power of God is working in their life, you continue to love what's going to happen is you're going to wear them down in love. Do not repay evil for evil, but repay evil with good. Continue to love. So we pray. We love. You serve them. What would that look like if the church served its enemies? What does it look like for you to go to your neighbor, go to your family member, go to your boss, go to your coworker and just serve them? It's gonna freak them out, right? Because it's not what the world does. The world's like, if I got a vendetta against you, we're gonna, we're gonna go, to, go to battle about this, but instead we're called to serve. So love, pray, serve, share with them. Share with those that hate you and forgive. Forgive those that do harm to you. Right? We have the ability because we have been forgiven, because the love of Christ lives inside of us and our sins get washed away. We have the power living inside of us to forgive others, to keep short accounts and to say, okay, it's okay. I know you, you hurt me. I'm gonna turn the other cheek. Those power we have to forgive only comes through Christ. So love, pray, serve, share, forgive. And this is all gonna be possible when we abide in Christ, when we're abiding in him, those things are gonna show up. Second, I want us to see that the helper promotes Jesus, he will help you too. So Jesus not only tells us about the opposition, he says there's gonna be opposition, but he says I've given you help to honor that and move you along the way. So what does he say in verse 26? He says, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Going on to 
chapter 16, verse 1, he says, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God and they will do the same things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things that to you that when the hour comes that you may remember that I told you them. Jesus is very clear. He's like, mile 16 is coming. Mile six, there's coming a time, it's coming, where they're gonna do horrible things to you, where the world is gonna put you out of the synagogue. That was a terrible thing. They were taking you outside of, of your, your comfort system, your support system, of the community culture. To be put out of the synagogue was a terrible thing. And so he's like, they're gonna do that. And the hour's coming. So know that when it happens, that nothing strange is happening to you, that it's all part of God's plan. You just abide, you just stay, and guess what? I'm also giving you the power. He says here, but when the helper comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, when the third member of the Trinity shows up and enters into your life at the moment of salvation, then you will have the power to move in that direction. Then you will have the opportunity to walk and you will walk the path that is dangerous, but you will be able to walk it and you will be able to finish the race that's marked out for you. So right now, the power of God lives inside of those that believe We have the power to walk into the way that God wants us to go. And what does that look like? Because we have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we have the the power to be able to speak the truth in love. See, I think it's easy for us to, to on this continuum, if, if, if we look at the continuum and we see, we see truth over here and we see love over here, we find ourselves looking at the truths of Scripture and we find ourselves either wanting to just be truth people where we sit at our ivory towers and we're able to look out over the world and we're like, yeah, that's wrong, that's sin, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Oh, I'm so thankful that I'm not a part of you because you guys are wrong. And so this is like the, the, if we run the risk of being all truth, then we run the risk of dissociating ourselves from the world because they're sinful and we're not. Because we can see all that sin. See, there's a great danger there. Because then, from that perspective, then there's no help for those that are in the kingdom of darkness. There's there's no escape from the kingdom of darkness if only truth exists. But then we also have those that are, that are loving, that, that run the risk of being only love. They're like, all that matters is love. Jesus loves you, Jesus, which is true, he does love you. But Jesus also calls you to come and die. Right? There has to, you can't just say, it's okay, you're a sinful person, that's okay. You don't have to deal. No, you have to come to grips with the truth of Scripture. And so God gives us the power through the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to speak the truth in love. I mean, it's easy because we know the truth to be right in the in a conversation. Like you can win an argument because you know the truth of God, but you can also lose the person in the process. Caring for the heart of those that are around us, give us this opportunity to walk in this way. What I love about Jesus is that Jesus was, wasn't passive, but every single day he intentionally engaged the messiness and the brokenness of the world. He continually walked and balanced speaking the truth in love perfectly. And he knows we're not gonna be able to do it perfectly, but I love the example that he gives us. Remember how at the, when he sees the woman at the well, she had come from an adulterous lifestyle and she's coming out at, at, at the, the well on this day and Jesus engages with her and balances those. He does call her to account, but he also comes in love and shows her a better way. 
Jesus' conversation with the rich young ruler, Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, Jesus' conversation every single day of his life, he was intentionally, never was he passive, never did he like shrink into the, the background and just be like, okay, I'm gonna like not show my light today. No, he boldly allowed his light to shine, but he did so speaking the truth in love. So what do we do with this? Well, my prayer today is that if you're here and you've never come to trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, my prayer is that you would do that today. That you come to the place of saying, Jesus, I surrender my all to you. Or maybe you're here and you are a believer in Jesus. And as you think about engaging the world, maybe, maybe you've shrunk back. Maybe you've stopped allowing your light because you were afraid of persecution, because you were afraid of being hated. Here's a good indicator of where you're at right now. Are you experiencing hatred from the world? If you're not experiencing hatred from the world, then you're not living for Christ. right? Because the Bible is clear that the world, if you're living according to the world, then the world's going to accept you. But when you stop living according to the world, the world's going to reject you. So that's a good indicator if you're like walking in the light, walking with the light, or if you stopped. Or maybe you're here today and you need to not only pray to be empowered and emboldened to walk in the light and to share the light, or maybe you're here and you find yourself on that continuum of your, you may be a real truth speaker, but you've forgotten the love. Or you're, you're a real lover of people, but you forget the truth and you're not bringing the, the truth to your love. Maybe you just need to pray that God would help you be more balanced. See, today as we hear the words of God, let us respond by trusting in him and following him because he is worthy of all of our lives. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your words today. We thank you for your truth. We pray, God, that um, we thank you that you share with us what, is, what the road is like ahead. That it's not gonna be easy, that it's gonna be difficult. And that we are going to be hated, but we are called to love even in the midst of that. And when we understand that the world hates us, it's not really us that they hate. It's they hate you. And Father, I pray that you'd help us to not see those that hate us as the enemy. Father, give us compassion once again. Break our hearts for those that are around us that are still walking in darkness. And may you empower us and embolden us to engage in those dark places, knowing that it's gonna be messy, but they don't have to come with our own worldly wisdom, that we come with the words of truth and that through your power, we have the ability to speak the truth in love. Father, if there's someone here that doesn't yet know you, I pray that they, before they leave here today, would call on you for salvation. But Father, as we sing this song, may you continue to work and may we in our own hearts before you decide to continue to follow you in every way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.